At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Today, we invite you to tune into our current series, Assembly Required, Building a Case for Church, where we'll see what the Psalms teach us about a life of faith lived in community. Good morning again, church. Thank you for joining us here this morning. Good morning again to the Facebook Live community. Uh, We miss you guys. We can't wait until we can gather back together with everybody as one big happy community. But until then, you're adding a little more truth to the slogan that we are one church in many communities. So, all right. They're gone. Thank you, team. That was great worship this morning. Um, You're so good. We sang the chorus. If we would have gone into the verses, it says, I am blessed, I am called, I am healed, anointed, highly favored. What a great comfort to us in Jesus Christ that we can hold to those truths and that feeling of rest. Because let's be honest, right now the world is not giving us rest. The world is giving us unrest in bushels. We have political unrest. I don't know if you guys know this, there's political unrest going on right now. Financial unrest, there's educational unrest. We don't know when schools are going to start, how they're going to start. There's medical unrest with a virus and people are suffering with different things. There's media unrest, my goodness, societal unrest, racial unrest, there's spiritual unrest in our community. And we've had these things before, these types of unrest, but having them all piled on us at once, this unrest cocktail that's been mixed up for us is particularly heavy. It's heavy on our hearts this morning. And it's even more surreal that we're in a time when churches are being limited to how they can gather. And we have our friends that are off watching virtually right now. And we want to be together as a community. Um, And the result of all this is we're starting to ask questions. First of all, when will life get back to normal? And then the follow-up is, what will normal even be? And people are reflecting on whether or not they want to put the pieces back into their lives that have been stripped away by this virus. We've had a lot of things canceled or closed, and as they begin to come back online, we're wondering, do I really want to put this back in my life? And we weigh it against, is it valuable to me? Is it something I want to put my time and energy into? And if not, we cancel it. But the church isn't immune to this cancel it culture either. People are asking some questions about the church. They're saying, do I really need church in my life? You know, is it really important to me? But what they're really asking is, how important is it for us to praise God together? The bottom line, they're asking if it matters. The church itself, the worship gathering, the gospel, Jesus, does it matter? And there are many reasons that they're asking this question, but it's good that they're asking it because it gives us an opportunity to speak back into their lives. It's hard for us to argue with somebody's lived experiences and things they've learned and deep-rooted feelings, but our response in light of these questions should be to exhibit gospel-driven praise, just like the praise we offered this morning. Even in the midst of uncertainty, even when this world is kicking us around or where we've had bad news or when there's been real pain in our lives, even in the shadow of all the unrest that we talked about a second ago, when we respond in praise, God takes notice. The world takes notice. And he moves through that praise into our community. We can't underestimate the importance of our praise, of praising God together in this community 
because God uses that praise to advance his plans through us. So if your life has been changed by Jesus, if you've tasted the goodness of God, then in every season, every day, God is to be praised. That's our big idea this morning in Psalm 145. Every season, every day, God is to be praised. So be honest with yourself. Is your soul bursting with praise this morning? Or has spiritual apathy taken over? Um, frustration or anxiety, are they winning the day? And it's in times like these that we have to go back to praise because our worship is our witness to this world. So today, we're continuing our series, Assembly Required. We're working through several of the Psalms, part of Israel's ancient hymn book. So if you would, turn in your Bibles to Psalm 145 as we take a look at this. This is uh, one of the last Psalms that's written by David. And the cool thing about it is it's also an acrostic Psalm, meaning that in the Hebrew alphabet, every one of the letters starts with one of the letters of the Hebrew alphabet from beginning to end. And there were two reasons for this. The first one is it helped the Israelites memorize it so they could recall it and give praise to God whenever they had the opportunity or whenever things were in their life that required praise. That's part of their oral tradition, passing it down from family to family throughout the ages as part of memorization. And the second thing is having it be their alphabet from beginning to end showed the completeness of God from beginning to end. He's the beginning of our praise, he's the end of our praise, and he's everything in the middle to us. And therefore, he's worthy of all of it. So it's a poem. It's meant to be sung. So as we dive into it to create an expository sermon with a main idea and points, it's a little bit tough to do that. So we're going to focus in today on praise. So let's read the passage together. And instead of looking for three points, we're going to look for three questions that this passage is asking us in Psalm 145. But as we read through it together, listen for the praise. Psalm 145, starting in verse 1. I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and great, his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall commend your works to another and declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works, I will meditate. And they shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds, and I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of all your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, and his mercy is over all that he has made. And all your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your saints shall bless you. And they shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power to make known to the children of man your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord is faithful in all his words and kind in all his works. The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand, you satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call on him and all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desire of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. 
The Lord preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord and let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. Thanks for reading that with me. And the neat thing we see here is, unlike some of the other Psalms we've gone through, David isn't asking God for anything. He isn't confessing sin like we've seen before. All he's doing is reflecting on the awesomeness of God and turning it back to him in praise. Fittingly, Psalm 145 is commonly referred to as the crown jewel of praise. So the first question we're being asked out of this psalm this morning is, what happens when we praise God? Let's notice the first two verses. Let's read again verse 1 and 2. I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. When we recognize who God is, our natural response is worship. The psalmist David understands that worship of God is the one thing that we can do in every season of our lives. Every day from now through eternity, despite our circumstances, we can turn our life to God in praise. That's because worship gives us perspective. Recognizing the scope and the might and the faithfulness of God makes everything else around us seem small in comparison. Author and pastor, the late A.W. Tozer, I've used this quote a lot. If you've heard it, I apologize, but it's perfect for this. He says, the person with a right understanding of God relieves themselves of 10,000 temporal issues, meaning all the stuff of this world, all that rest that we just talked about that's in your periphery begging for your attention, begging you to, to focus on that instead of God. When we praise God, we go laser focused on him. All the stuff of this world that's begging for our attention disappears. Attention is diverted from us to where it belongs, on God. Let's look at a great example from this in Acts chapter 16. We're going to be doing a lot of page turning this morning, which is awesome. In Acts 16, we find Paul and Silas in prison. They just miraculously healed a little girl and for that wonderful work, for that following of Jesus, they get beaten and thrown into jail. Opposite of ideal. Their following of Jesus resulted in persecution and pain for them. Would you have been filled with hope in a situation like that? What would your perspective have been? What was their response in that moment? After serving Jesus and getting thrown in jail and bloodied and bruised, let's see what happens to them. Acts 16, verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Paul and Silas, their witness was their worship. Their circumstances didn't change their attitude. Praise was on their lips. They're praising God despite what's going on around them. And the neat thing is that they were both Jews. They knew Psalm 145. Do you think maybe they were singing that, praising God in this circumstance? And what happened after they offered this praise to God? Verse 26. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. Through their praise, God moved in a miraculous way. God uses our praise 
to advance his plans just as he did for Paul and Silas. So back to the question. What happens when we praise God? It centers our minds on the Lord and not on our circumstances. It gives us better perspective. It lights a fire in our lives and the lives of the people around us. See, David needed that. When he wrote this, David needed that, and he knew that his kingdom needed that. Paul and Silas needed it, and so did the prisoners that were there with them who heard the gospel through this. And we need it. This church needs it. And the outflow of that into this community, the community needs it. Maybe your mind has been filled with uh, the arguments and the debates and the destruction of this world and the outrage that's in our culture right now. But within this chaos, when we worship God together, he hears and he responds. If we truly want revival in this church, it starts with our praise. And through us and our praise, God moves and he will move out into this community. So the second question that we're asked in Psalm 145 this morning, it's beautifully woven like a ribbon through this entire psalm. And the question is, why is God to be praised? You know, we praise God in every day, every season, because we recognize who he is. Let's read how David describes the Lord in Psalm 145. We're going to go through verse by verse and look at all the attributes that David is throwing out in praise to God. So be following through the verses, and we'll look at all these attributes. Verse 1, our God is personal. David says he's my God. We know his name. Also in verse 1, he's our king. He's not just any king, he's the only king, and his kingdom will last forever. Skipping to verse 3, our God is great. No one and nothing compares to him. Our God is unsearchable. We can search for him and study his word and pray our entire lives, and we won't scratch the surface of the greatness of who he is. Also in verse 3, our God is active. Stories of his power have been told since the beginning of time. Verse 5, he's glorious. His holiness is displayed on this earth. Verse 7, our God is good. Our God is righteous. Verse 8, got three right here. Our God is gracious and he's merciful and he's love. What a great summary of us, our lives in Christ. That grace, that mercy, that love. Verse 11, our God reigns. You keeping up, Keith? Verse 13, our God is everlasting. He's the beginning and the end, just like we spoke. Beauty is that he has no beginning and he has no end. Verse 14, our God is faithful. He lifts up the broken. Isn't that great? When we're broken, when our lives are shattered, our God lifts us up and can put us back together. He upholds the humble. Verse 15, our God supplies. What does he supply? He supplies everything. The air we breathe, our very lives, the food we eat, our homes, our very salvation, all supplied by God. Verse 16, he's generous and he satisfies. Verse 17, he is kind. Verse 18, our God is near. He's always present. Also in verse 18, he's omniscient. Nothing escapes his knowledge. In verse 19, our God is listening. Anytime, any day, we can stop and pray. Our God listens, he hears, he moves. 
Also in verse 19, our God saves. Verse 20, our God is a protector. Our God does what is right. He is just. And because of who our God is, verse 21, my mouth will speak the praise of the Lord. If you were to make your own list, if you started that list with my God is, would it sound something like this? What would be your lyrics? Who is God to you? As we redeem believers, new covenant believers, our focus on God a lot of times centers around the Son, centers around Jesus. Jesus trusted his Father with everything. He trusted him in the wilderness, in every healing, in every sermon. When he performed every miracle, he trusted him. As his ministry on earth ended, and he turned to face Jerusalem, knowing what he was marching back to, he trusted God completely. When he picked up his cross, when he breathed his last breath, it was all in trust and praise to God. Jesus was the greatest worshiper that ever lived, and his life was given not only as an example for us to follow, but also as an offering, as a peace offering, as a guilt offering, and a sin offering for every time that you and I have taken our focus off of who he is and put it on all the stuff in the world that's begging for our attention. You know, David penned a wonderful list here in Psalm 145, but he failed miserably in his life to come through in a lot of areas, and so do you, and so do I. David knew he was lost in sin, that he needed God for salvation, and so do we every single day. But the good news is, the gospel that when we call on the name of Jesus, when we repent, when we believe in him and call him our Lord and our Savior, we believe in the power of his death and resurrection, we are saved and made whole with God. And other names will not do. Other gods cannot save. Only our God came to rescue us by putting on flesh. Only our God came to live with us, to understand what we're going through, that he could be our high priest Only our God knows how to put together our broken pieces because he is the one that made us. Who is the Lord to you? Do you know him by name? Have you been restored to his family through faith in Christ? If you haven't, I beg you not to let today go by without making that decision. You can talk to me, you can talk to Dan, text connect to that number, find out how you can be restored to God through faith in Jesus. If you have been saved and you've chosen to follow him as a disciple, then our purpose is to bear witness to who he is and let our praise on earth reflect the praise of heaven. Sounds like a pretty lofty goal. What does the praise of heaven look like? Let's go to Revelation, all the way in the back, chapter 5. Then look at verses 11 through 14. What does the praise of heaven look like? Apostle John writes, Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in him saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb 
be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. John beautifully writes myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands. And numerically what he's saying is hundreds of millions. That number might be hard for us to grasp, but if you can imagine being on a tall hill or a mountain and looking as far as your eye can see on a clear day, maybe 15 miles, and all you see is shoulder to shoulder, people and angels and creatures all worshiping God. That's a picture of the praise of heaven. And we need to mirror that because when we do, we drown out the issues of this world with resounding and focused praise and that's what God deserves from us. So we've answered two questions this morning. The first one is what happens when we praise God? The second one is why are we to praise him? And the third and final question from Psalm 145 is how do we praise God? In verse 1 and 2, it tells us to bless his name forever and ever. The picture of an Old Testament blessing, we get in our mind a blessing that's handed down from father to son. The son comes before the father, receives praise or gifts. And this is why scriptures often tell us that we have been blessed from God through Christ. The blessing is carried down. We see a reversal here in Psalm 145. We see us blessing God, which sounds a little bit odd. Think about it uh, the way Paul said it to the believers in Ephesus in Ephesians 1.3. Paul says, Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And what we see here is that we are able to bless God. And our reflex is to say, what? How can I possibly bless God? What do I have to give to him that would be a blessing to him? And that's a natural thought for us. What do you give to an infinite God? It's our prayer. It's our praise, our acknowledgement of who he is. It's our time. It's our money, our resources, our thanksgiving. It's our very lives offered to him. It's a wonderful, fragrant sacrifice. What a blessing to give that to God. That's how we praise him, by blessing his name. We can also praise him through meditation. Look at verse 5. It says, On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your works, I will meditate. It means we ponder or we constantly reflect. It's also a term used to talk about how nutrients are absorbed and digested from food. That's how we need to ponder and reflect on his word. When I was 10 years old, my mom and dad bought me a brand new Honda XR80 motorcycle. The 80s were a tough time. I don't know how they afforded it, but I had this beautiful motorcycle and both of my cousins had one and the next door neighbor had one and we would ride and ride and ride. And the only thing that stops a 10, 11, 12-year-old from riding that motorcycle was gasoline. So when gas came home for the lawnmower, we would naturally tithe some from the gas for the lawnmower <laughs> into the gas for the motorcycle. Or when mom was chatting with her sister, we learned how to siphon from her Suburban into the motorcycle. <laughs> and we would ride and ride and ride till every last drop in that tank was gone because we loved it so much. And then as a kid, you have an ethical dilemma. Do you turn the knob to reserve and ride home? Or do you continue to use up every last drop of joy in that tank for your pleasure? 
And that's what we did. More often than not, you had to push the motorcycle home because you burned the reserve tank because you loved it so much that you used up every last drop that was in it for your pleasure. And that's the excitement we should display when we're in God's word, when we're pondering and meditating on what he has for us in his word. We should be singing of his greatness throughout the day, pray and study and reflect on his word so that just like that gas tank full of joy, every last drop of wisdom that's in the text is absorbed into who we are. And once we've meditated on it and we understand it ourselves, we share it with others. Back to Psalm 145, 11 and 12. David says, They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power to make known to the children of man your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. When we've pondered it and meditated on it and we know it ourselves, we tell it to the next generation. We tell it to our kids. We tell it to our grandkids. We tell them how God came through for us in times of difficulty, how he was by our side in the valleys and in the medical uncertainties. We tell them how he came through and was glorified in this crazy year called 2020. And we pass on the stories of God's greatness in our lives and in the lives of others. And notice what happens when we do this. The very end, verse 21, says, Let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. But look back to verse 1, how it started. David says, I will extol you, my God and King. And he ends with, let all flesh bless his holy name. The progression here is from I to all, from singular to community. When our lives are lived as worship to God, others will see it, they will respond and begin praising themselves. That's our mission, church. God uses our praise to advance his plans. That's why we can be confident that every season, every day, God is to be praised. We could all come up with 21 reasons why we're struggling at this time or our complaints or our frustrations, but let's flip that script. Let's turn it over and praise God through these tough times. We could say things like, we're all still here. Praise God. We're all still breathing. Praise God. We know his name. We know his son. Praise God. He saved us. We're not alone. We have each other here in this community. Praise God. We're recipients of grace. We've been adopted by the king of the universe. Praise God. We have a purpose. We have a mission. We have this ministry of reconciliation. We have the power of the spirit within us, and we have everything we need to stand strong at this time. Praise God. You can praise someone else if you want to. For those of us who have tasted and seen that the Lord is good, we will praise God. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you so much for this ancient song written so long ago that is so beautifully applicable to us right now. Father, we pray that you would prompt us to know you more. Prompt us to spend more time in your word, more time in prayer, more time worshiping you, and that our praise would rise in our hearts as a result. Father, may that praise be a catalyst for revival in this community. May you work through us and through our praise and through our worship 
May you work through that by your spirit into this community that so desperately needs you. And Lord, we pray that you would give us a better understanding of your greatness so that as we see you more and understand you better, that the noise of this world would disappear. And all that's left is Jesus. We thank you and praise you. Amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We'd love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org contact to introduce yourself today.